Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with the Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me this morning. I hope you're having a good day, having a good weekend, getting ready for next week, right? Okay, no, we won't talk about next week yet. We're still in the weekend. <laughs> but I hope you're doing well, and I hope you're ready to hear the Word of God this morning as we are going to uh, talk about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today, the message is going to have a twofold purpose. One is if you are a believer, I want to teach you a simple yet effective way to share the gospel with someone. If you're not a believer, then I pray that you will hear this gospel presentation and that you will understand how much Jesus loves you and why we need to give our lives to him. But before we get into all of that, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we just want to give you praise, honor, and glory this morning. Father, you are so awesome and you are worthy of all praise, all honor, and all glory. Nobody else deserves it, only you. And we thank you for loving us like you do. We thank you for just pouring out your spirit on us like you do. We thank you for lavishing us with your love. And we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And we ask your Holy Spirit to teach us this morning, to guide us, lead us into all truths. And may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. And I pray, God, that if anyone's listening this morning who has not given their lives to you, they don't have that relationship with you, that personal relationship with you, I pray today will be their day that they call out upon the name of Jesus and be saved. And for the believers listening, I pray that this will be an encouragement and even a, another tool that they can use to share the gospel with others as you command us to do. So, Father, we just, again, thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we just thank you for who you are, Almighty God. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here at Love and Action, we have the Love and Action School of Discipleship, where we train believers to become disciples of Christ and to be able to make disciples of others. And one very important part of making disciples is teaching how to share the gospel with others. Because the sad fact of the matter is that 90 to 95% of all professing Christians in the U.S. do not share their faith. And that's still a stat that just astounds me because I, I just don't see how when we experience Jesus, we don't share Jesus with others. So that's why it's important to teach and show each other that we can do this. First of all, God tells us we can. And we're assured that he gives us the power to do so through his Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises us in the Great Commission that he is always with us. So he gives us everything we need. We're just praying that, that we can boost your confidence a little bit to go out and share the good news with others. And one thing that we teach is this gospel presentation. We teach it in our discipleship class called DM Squared. And that's for Disciples Making Disciple Makers. And in Lesson 2, we talk about the gospel. And midway through, we teach this gospel presentation. So I'm going to share that this morning. And again, I pray that uh, it's instructional, but I also pray that the Lord will use it to touch hearts out there, to hear his love for us and how he sent his one and only son for us. Let's start with Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Nobody has an excuse for not giving their lives to the Lord. The Word of God tells us that. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, we read, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, 
because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. As we can see, and as we share with others, we are without excuse, for God has clearly made himself known. All we have to do is look at ourselves, look at nature, look at the universe. All the photos coming back from the James Webb telescope are amazing. And when I look at that, I say, how can anybody say there's not a God? God has made himself known through his creation. And you look at the complexity of the human mind, the brain, the body, just it's just amazing that I is just a phenomenal creation. There's no way that chance or randomness caused that to happen. Only an almighty God, the creator, could do something like that. So we are without excuse. And if we're without excuse, then a, a question that can be asked is, well, why hasn't God taken us out? We have obviously ignored him. We've offended him by not acknowledging him. So why hasn't he brought his wrath against all of us? Well, Romans chapter 2, verse 4 tells us that, that God is kind and he is patient. And let's read that scripture. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God is kind and he is patient. Too many people who don't know God have a totally wrong view of God. They picture this God on like a throne with a club in his hand, just waiting for us to mess up so he can just whack us over the head. That's not our God at all. Now, our God does have wrath, and we'll get into that in a moment because he's a just God. He's a holy God. He can't look upon sin. He can't be around sin. And when there's disobedience, there's punishment, and his wrath is that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But God's patience and his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Repentance meaning to turn from our sinful ways and to turn to him and live our lives for him. So we see that in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23 that we read, that God is righteous, and we're not. We're not righteous at all. So how can we stand before a righteous God? If he's righteous and we're not, we can't stand before him, can we? Not on our own, we can't. But we know that faith in Jesus Christ will bring about his righteousness. And let's read that in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how can we stand before a righteous God? 
through the righteousness of Jesus Christ as we put our faith in him. He gives us his righteousness. So we have his righteousness. We can be in front of God. We can be reconnected to God and have that personal relationship that God wants us to have with him. So we know we have no excuse. We know that God hasn't poured out his wrath on us right now because he is patient and he is kind. And we know that faith in Jesus gives us righteousness, gives us his righteousness. The word of God says our righteousness is as a filthy rags. So we don't need our righteousness because we don't have it. But when we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us his righteousness, and we are able to go before Almighty God and be saved. But what if you, or if you're sharing the gospel with somebody, says, you know, I I don't really want that. I'm just going to keep on living like I'm living. Well, we need to love each other, and so therefore we need to show the truth and show it in love. And so we need to tell the person, or or if that's you this morning, I'm telling you, if you remain in sin, then death is what happens. And let's read about that. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see that the word wages is there. And if you're working a job, you earn a wage. So through sin, we earn death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. Actually, the physical death is proof that sin exists in the world. But the Lord's also telling us here that it's the spiritual death that we will face. And we just read in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's everybody. Everyone who's ever walked on the face of this earth except for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And therefore, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift from God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord where we get forgiveness, salvation, his righteousness. Ezekiel 18 verse 4 shows us that, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. So we see that even in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, God is telling us the soul that sin dies. So if we remain in our sin and we deny Christ, then death is what we're going to face. Now, we all are going to face a physical death. We all will face that. But what I'm talking about here is spiritual. We can have life eternal with Jesus, or we can have torment and punishment forever without Jesus. So what do we do? What do we do? If you're sitting there saying, well, okay, I hear you talking about I can get the righteousness of Christ. I can be saved. I can be forgiven. I can receive eternal life. How do I do that? Well, let's turn to John chapter 14, verse 6, where we see Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. And he says very clearly there, I am the only way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. Well, it's kind of, well, not kind of. It is popular these days for people to say, well, there's many ways to get to heaven. There's many ways to get to God. Well, that's a flat-out lie because there's only one way. We see Jesus saying that in John 14, 6, but we also see in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that there is no other name by which we can be saved. Let's read that, Acts 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
No other name. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not any of the other gods that are worshipped out there. Only Jesus. And Jesus, as you read the Bible, you read the Old Testament, all the prophecies about Jesus, and then we know he fulfilled those prophecies. We're just waiting on his second coming, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But Jesus, he proved he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. He proved that he is the only way to salvation, and no other name can we be saved. And so the gospel, which means good news, was preached by the Apostle Paul. And he did such an awesome job doing that, of course. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, Paul really gives us the gospel message in these eight verses right here. And so if you're wondering, what is this gospel message? Or if you're out there saying, how can I easily share the gospel message? Here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. I love Paul's humbleness there. But see, that's the gospel. Jesus died on the cross, just like it was prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus was buried, and on the third day he rose again. God raised him from the dead, conquering death, sin, and Satan all at one time, and just like he was prophesied to do. And so many people saw him. Not only his apostles, but even 500 people at one time saw him. And the change that took place with his disciples was just amazing and proof that Jesus was who he said he was, and he is who he says he is. And I always like to point at Peter, the one who denied Christ three times during Jesus' time of greatest need. He was the one who was so bold, standing in front of the very ones who put Jesus to death on the cross and telling them about Jesus and how they put him to death, but how Jesus came back to life and is alive today and forevermore. Peter wasn't running anymore. Why? Because he had seen the risen, living Savior, Jesus. And so he wasn't afraid anymore. He knew that Jesus truly is the Messiah, and he was going to preach that good news to people until they put him to death, and that's exactly what happened. So Jesus died. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead. I like to share this story when I talk about that scripture there. Martha and I were on our first trip to Asia, a missionary trip, and we were on our way to the Philippines to meet brothers and sisters we did not know, had never met before, but we were going there to meet them, to lead a, a conference with the pastors and missionaries there, and then just go out and proclaim the gospel. So we were... 30, 35,000 feet, you know, up there flying over who knows where we're at, Canada or over the ocean or somewhere. And I'm reading the Bible, reading Scripture, preparing. And I get up to walk to the back of the plane. I'm 
I discovered that the flight attendants keep snacks and stuff back there. And so <laughs> I go back there and stretch and get a snack. And as I'm standing there, a man comes up to me, an older man, and we're talk, start talking, and talk, start talking about where we're from and where we're going. And I was telling them what Martha and, and Mama, Mama Tuck was with us, uh, where we were going and what we were going to do. And he was all excited, and he said, you know, if you share Jesus being killed on that cross, that he died, that he was buried, and he rose again, you'll see an untold harvest. And, man, that just encouraged me so much. It's like the nervousness just left. And, yeah, I never did see that man again. I, I looked for him. I never did find him. I believe to this day he was an angel sent from God to bring encouragement to me. So that's exactly what we did. We, we preached the simple message. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. We can't tell you how many people we've seen saved uh, in the Philippines and even on that trip, just all over over the years, just by preaching that simple gospel message because it's the truth and it's the good news. And if we tell people that, God's going to work through us and he's going to draw them in. We can't save them. We can't save people, but we can tell them about the one who can. And if we plant and water, as Paul tells us to, God will bring in the increase. God will do his part every single time. So that's the gospel message. And I encourage you to share that with others. And if you're not a believer, I encourage you to just listen to that. Jesus came. He died for you. He was buried, and three days later, God raised him from the dead so you could have eternal life. We serve an awesome God. He is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory, and he is worthy to live for and to follow. And so you may be thinking, well, how can I receive this salvation? Because a, a gift, if I presented you a gift, say it was all wrapped in, in a box and wrapped up, and I, I hand it to you, but you don't receive it, then it's, it's not doing anything for you, is it? It's a gift that I'm offering, but you have to take it and open it up. And so that's what God is offering this morning. He's offering his free gift of Jesus, and you just need to receive it. Well, you may ask, how do I do that? Or you may be a believer saying, well, how do I tell somebody how to do that? Well, let's go back to Romans chapter 10. We need to confess and believe. Paul writes here, we're going to read Romans 10, verses 9 through 15. And Paul writes, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his, right, his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless, someone is, unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So there it is. We need to confess, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus is Lord anyway. He's Lord of all anyway, whether we confess that or not. But what we're doing in that confession is, is saying, Jesus, I know you are Lord, and I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. And it says to believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. 
And so we're telling God, I believe, I believe. Jesus, you died, you rose again. You are the Messiah. And so we confess and we believe. And even in verse 13, all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Because remember we said earlier, this is the only name that we can be saved by, right? So we call out upon the name of Jesus. And then another important scripture to read, that's something else we must confess, is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Confess our sins, and he will forgive us, and he'll also cleanse us. That's so important. Sin can leave like a residue. We don't want anything with our sins left, so God cleanse that, cleanse that from me. And so we confess, he forgives, and he cleanses us. And so that's how we receive that salvation. We confess Jesus as Lord. We believe that God raised him from the dead. And we ask him to forgive us and cleanse us, and he will. And if you make that decision today, that's what you do. And I'll lead you in a prayer shortly. But there may be some out there who are saying, well, I'm just not ready yet, or I'll wait. If you're waiting to clean your own self up, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Let me tell you, it won't happen. If I was waiting for myself to clean myself up, I would still be waiting. I, actually, I, I'm sure I would not be alive still today. We can't clean ourselves up. Let's let Jesus do it because only he can. But if you refuse or if you're sharing the gospel with somebody and they refuse, again, we love people. And we don't want anyone to, to go to hell. And so we need to share one more piece of scripture with them. And so I want to take you to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses, sec, verses 7 through 10. And it reads like this. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flame and fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when, they, when he comes on that day to be glorified in the saints and to be marveled at among all who, who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So for those who, ref who refuse, who deny Jesus, then eternal destruction and away from the presence of the Lord is eternity. Because see, hell, as bad as it is, is going to be dumped in the lake of fire on the final judgment. Jesus came the first time to serve and to be that humble servant and to die for us and to come back to life for us, to give us eternity with him, eternal life with Almighty God, to forgive us of our sins, to save us from the wrath of God. But the second time he comes, he's coming to judge. And that's what's going to happen to those who, who don't believe, those who refuse, those who keep disobeying God. Again, God's a just God, right? God's not sending people to hell. You hear people say that, well, how can God send people to hell? He doesn't. We make the choices. We either make a choice to follow him and live eternally with him, or we make the choice not to follow him and have eternal destruction, eternal torment, hell, the lake of fire. And the people know that they're there for all eternity. And so I would ask you, are you okay with that? And if you are, well, I'm going to keep praying for you. And if you're not, and you would like to make that decision, 
to follow Jesus, here's what you need to do. Just pray. And you don't have to use these exact words. There's, there's no prayer written in stone, but we're going to go according to the scripture here that we've read today. Just pray, Father God, I admit I'm a sinner, and I need salvation. I need a Savior. And Jesus, I know you're that Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And I confess that, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I believe with all my heart you died on that cross for me. You were buried, and on the third day, God, you raised Jesus back to life. I believe and ask you to save me. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit and help me day by day to live for you. For I repent of my sins and I turn to you. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I love you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you to tell somebody. I'd love to hear from you. You can call 334-494-4995. That's our number here at Love and Action. 334-494-4995. Or you can email me, ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. It's all lowercase, ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. And for those of y'all who are sharing the gospel with people, it's, it's that simple to share the gospel. We have no excuses. God's patient. Our faith in Jesus Christ brings us his righteousness. If we remain in sin, we receive death. Jesus is the only way. There's no other name under heaven or earth that we must be, that we can be saved. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how do we receive that forgiveness? By confessing Jesus as Lord, by believing that he died and rose again. We confess our sins, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And if people still refuse Jesus at that moment, in all your love for them, share Second Thessalonians verse 1, 7 through 10, just to show them, look, I don't want you to experience this. Well, this is what will happen. And then they make that decision to follow Jesus. Just lead them in, in that simple prayer. And it's as easy as A, B, C. A, you admit you're a sinner. B, believe Jesus is Lord and that he rose again. And C, commit. Commit your life to following Jesus' teaching. And if you have made that decision, I want to encourage you on some things. That's your first step. That's your that's the most important step, and you've received that forgiveness. But I encourage you to be baptized, and I encourage you to find a body of believers where they are preaching the Word of God and are making disciples. And if you would like some more information on discipleship, in other words, training, learning how to live this life for Jesus, again, contact me, and I'll be glad to send you some information. And again, that contact info was 334 334- Four nine four four nine nine five, or Ken dot Tuck at Love in Action Ministries dot com. I would love to give you some next steps and help you get on the road to living for Jesus. And you know it's a daily process. Doesn't mean we're perfect all of a sudden, but it means we are living for and serving a perfect living Savior. And then sanctification will take place, and that's sanctification is we understand. We need God in our lives. We need 
God to clean up our lives. And so that's a process of trusting in him and asking him to forgive us and just letting the Holy Spirit do his work in us. Well, I hope today's teaching has helped. I hope some have put their faith in Jesus today. And if so, you're starting a brand new path. You're a brand new creation in Jesus, and you're on the road to the best life ever. You're still going to have hard times and everything pop up in life because that's just it's life. That's how it happens. But you got Jesus with you always. And I hope it's helped those who are believers to just have another tool in your toolbox on how to share the gospel with others. Well, I thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a great rest of the day and a wonderful week coming up. Remember, Jesus loves you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.